This afternoon's reading is from Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Within the next 18 months or so, the country will go to the polls to decide who is best placed to lead us forward. Opposing leaders, even now, are seeking to present a superior vision for the future. They want us to listen to them, to trust them, to stand with them and not their rivals. They want to keep core voters loyal and to win over new voters. And this isn't unique to politics. In a pluralistic society, we see loads of different religions and worldviews all competing for our loyalty and for our trust. And within this, Christianity makes a massive claim. It claims that Jesus is supreme, that he is far better, far superior than all the alternatives on offer. Nothing or no one compares. And because of this, we're to stick with him. In fact, this is the key message of Hebrews, which we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. The letter of Hebrews was written to encourage Christians who were struggling. Many were going through a rough time and were tempted to return to Judaism, which gave them more state security and respectability, which they couldn't get from Christianity. And similarly today, whilst we're unlikely to turn back to Judaism, we may well be tempted to water down what we believe, to give up on the more demanding aspects, to go for a Christianity light. And the writer wants to convince us that full-fat Christianity, which keeps Christ central and is the ultimate authority on all things, is far better, whatever opposition we face. What's more, if you're here and you're not yet sure about Christianity, perhaps you're a floating voter when it comes to Jesus, then please listen up. Hebrews is for you too. Our author presents a compelling vision of the Lord Jesus in his full glory, which I can't wait to tell you more about. He wants you to see that Jesus is far better than anything this world could offer you. Will you hear him out? Today's passage is a prologue, a kind of introduction to the rest of the book, 
setting out a number of the key themes. We're going to look at it under two headings. Firstly, God has spoken fully and finally through his son. So secondly, listen to him, because he's supreme and our saviour. So our first point, God has spoken fully and finally through his son. Do you ever wonder if God is actually there? Do you ever wish he'd speak up or make himself clearer? Perhaps you envy the prophets of old and wish God would speak to you today in a vision or dream. Well, the start of Hebrews makes it very clear that God is not distant or silent. In fact, he is and always has been a speaking God who has made himself known. We see in verse 1 that in the past he spoke to our ancestors, that is the Israelites, through the prophets and many times and in various ways, which was good. But in these last days he has spoken to us directly by his son Jesus Christ, which is better by far. So rather than envying the prophets, we're actually in a far better position. Through Jesus, we've been given the full picture as well as the end of the story. In the past, our ancestors' understanding of God's plans was always piecemeal. Until Jesus came, the story of the Old Testament was a bit like a jigsaw puzzle without the picture on the box. Personally, I think jigsaw puzzles are a bit like Marmite. You either love them or hate them. And I hate them <laughs> with a great passion, in fact. I've always hated them. I think I'm just too impatient. But the rest of my family are massive fans. And every Christmas, we've always got a jigsaw puzzle on the go. And one Christmas, they were given this fiendishly difficult puzzle without a picture on the box. So they managed to sort of do the edges. They sort of worked out one area with sort of blue sky. And then they got stuck and they realised they were never going to complete it. So they gave up. But if you'd given them the box with the picture, they'd have completed it within hours. And the, the arrival of Jesus was rather like providing the box. Suddenly the final picture and how the pieces all fit together became obvious. Without Jesus, the points of all the little details in the Old Testament just wasn't clear. But with him, they suddenly made sense. What's more, once God spoke through his son, he had nothing more to add. His word was complete. Even I, as a jigsaw hater, know how satisfying it can be to put that final piece in a jigsaw puzzle. If there's a way to irritate my family, it's to join for the last five minutes of the jigsaw puzzle. But once you put the final piece in the puzzle, it is finished. You can't add any more pieces. It's done. Jesus is like the final piece in the puzzle, the climax of God's revelation. When God spoke through his son, his word was complete. He had nothing new to add, which means we have everything we need to know to live life well and to know him. Isn't that wonderful? And what's more, rather than just speaking through an intermediary, a prophet, 
God has spoken to us directly in Jesus. I love the personal nature of us in verse 2. Do you ever feel if God, as if God only speaks in a general sense or sort of somewhere out there? Well, the author of Hebrews is asserting that God has spoken to you. His word is for us today. And he's spoken to us in the best way possible through Jesus Christ entering the world himself. Jesus is God's speech in human form. As John 1 tells us, he was the word made flesh who made his dwelling among us. God became human so we could really know him and have a relationship with him. We're so familiar with this, but it's worth pausing for a moment to reflect on just how amazing it is that God became a human for us. In Jesus, we have God's definitive revelation. He's made himself known. He's told us everything that he wants us to know, including how the story will end. There's nothing new or extra to add. So what does this mean for us? Well, it really does mean that we can know God personally. As we open up our Bibles, he really does speak to us through it. Not only that, he's told us everything we need to know to have a relationship with him, which gives us meaning and purpose in life. He helps us to see what life is all about and tells us how to live it well. We don't have to look for new revelation. He's saying the same today as he's always said. He's told us everything that we need to know to flourish until he returns which he's told us will happen. This means we should listen to him and act on what he says. But if we're going to take Jesus at his word, we need to be sure we can trust him. We need to be convinced about who he is and why we should pay such careful attention. So secondly, we're to listen to Jesus because he's supreme and our saviour. In fact, he's been appointed the heir of all things, verse 2. Everything belongs to him. The whole universe is his. And one day this will be evident for all to see. It's his world and he made it. Jesus was there at the very start, speaking the world into being. And he will be there at the end, reigning and ruling. What's more, he keeps it going by his powerful word, verse 3. The laws of nature and physics are all down to him. He has ordered everything so it works. I found out recently that just shifting the Earth's orbit around the sun a tiny weeny bit would cause us to fatally fry or freeze. But Jesus keeps it orbiting precisely. Even just thinning the Earth's atmosphere a little would cause thousands of meteors to crash into Earth rather than to harmlessly incinerate. But Jesus ensures its thickness stays correct. As humans, we're not just dependent on Jesus for our origin, 
but for our continuing existence. He really is the sustainer of everything. That blows my mind. How does it make you feel? Not only that, Jesus is supreme because he's God. He's the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Verse 3. Jesus is not just a reflection of God like some form of mirror. He's the radiance of God. To radiate something means to show its brilliance and splendour. We talk about the radiance of the midday sun. And on grey days like today, I dream about a blue sky day. It's the easiest way to make me smile. I reckon I was born on the wrong continent. And in the same way that the sun illuminates the earth, radiating heat, allowing us to feel and experience it, Jesus, Jesus radiates God, his splendour, his goodness, his power. He reveals the living God to us. He enables us to know him personally, dazzling us with his extreme beauty. He really is stunning. His character is perfection. He's without fault. Who wouldn't want to listen to someone who doesn't lie, who's perfectly loving, who's full of compassion, who hates injustice? He transmits light into the darkness of our lives and the depths of our hearts. He transforms us. If we want to know what God is like, we just need to look to Jesus. God's invisible glory has been made visible through him. And not only is Jesus supreme, but he's our saviour too. None of us are fit to be in God's presence. He's holy and we're mucky and unclean, contaminated by our self-centred, self-promoting lives and our failure to put God first. But amazingly, Jesus stepped into our shoes and died in our place to provide purification for sins. Verse 3. My brother has a gorgeous dog, Chili, uh, and yet he's less gorgeous after we've taken him for a walk in the woods as he's covered in mud. He's absolutely disgusting. At this point, he's banished to the garden until he's cleaned and, and made clean again. And similarly, we're banished from God's presence. But through Jesus' death, he cleans us up and makes us acceptable to God. And having died to cleanse us, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Verse 3. In the Old Testament, while the priests were doing their work, they never sat down. There was no chair inside the tabernacle. Their job was never done. Animal sacrifices could never take away our, our sin. So the priests had to perform rituals again and again and again. But Jesus paid for our sin once for all and then sat down because his job was finished. 
There was nothing else he needed to do. So how does knowing that Jesus is supreme and he's our saviour help us to listen to him? Well, knowing that he's in control of all things means that when things are hard, we can keep trusting, knowing that his word comes with authority. The voices in the chamber or on Twitter may shout loudly, but we're listening to the king of the universe, the radiance of God himself, who has spoken fully and finally to us in his son. And not only that, we're listening to the one who can save us, the supreme word who became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. So will you listen to him? If you're the floating voter I mentioned earlier, are you convinced that Jesus is the one to look to if you have questions or aren't sure about who God is? We don't need to be in any doubt. There really is no one else who can deal with our sin problem or make us clean before God. And if we're here as a Christian, let's thank God that he has fully revealed himself to us in his son so we can know him. And when we're tempted to ignore him, let's remember that his vision is far superior to anything that this world or any political party can offer. He is the supreme saviour who has died for us. God has spoken fully and finally through his son. So let's listen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that wonderfully you have spoken to us through your son, our supreme saviour. And thank you that this means we can know you and have meaning and purpose in life. Help each one of us to listen to him, even on the days when it feels hard or costly. Help us to stick with Jesus, remembering that nothing or no one compares. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.